You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of July 4th. Happy Independence Day to America. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my friend and partner, Jim Allen. How you doing, bud? I'm independent. <laughs> you think you are. You're married, right? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> You're married, right? Y- yeah. You got a ring on that finger, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. You think that finger is yours? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just because it's attached to your body doesn't make it yours. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well. All right. We got no, t- we got no time to, to shoot the breeze this week. We got a lot of things going on we this do. week's show. We've got, a, we've got a chat with Ryan McBroom of The Carp. Yay! We discussed Shogo Akiyama joining Hiroshima. We've got mini tracks. We've got players of the month. We go rocking with Roki and much more. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right. So I set up a chat with Ryan McBroom of the Hiroshima Carp and really mostly because of Brian O'Grady of the Seibu Lions. He is super awesome and that's all I can say about that. Mm. But so is Ryan McBroom. And <laughs> it's just that I'm so glad we have so many great people or just nice people. I don't care what they do on the baseball field. They're good people to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm better for knowing these two guys because they've been really super helpful, very fun. And you'll hear in the conversation, Ryan is just so down to earth and he's really fun. But he's just, I mean, nothing but positivity, enthusiasm from him about doing the chat. This whole coronavirus world makes us, I don't know, it just makes living a challenge every day. Every You got to worry about this, that, and the other. And there are so many stressors out there. But these two guys really made the the process of trying to get an interview done really, really fun. So thank you to Brian O'Grady. And thanks again, even before we play the interview uh, for you guys, thanks again to Ryan McBroom. What a, what a great guy. And so uh, we were talking and we were trying to figure out how to, when to do the interview. Well, then I told him, okay, I'm going to send you uh, an invite from this uh, software. And he said, what's that? And then he let me know that he didn't really have a computer here in Japan. He's, he's doing everything with, with other devices. So uh, I said, okay, well, you know, I can call you. And the, the phone call wouldn't go through. So Ryan downloads Line, the app Line, which is really popular here in Japan. He found me. And he called. Mm. How wow. awesome is that? That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's a home run. I mean, you know, he crushed one the other day, had his first walk-off uh, home run beating the Giants on Saturday. But I, I have another man crush because <laughs> Ryan is a super guy. Um, first year import along with uh, Drew Anderson and, and Nick Turley uh, over there with the carp. And, you know, those guys, I, I mean – Looking forward to trying to talk to those two guys. I tried to look up the last time we had a carp player on, and I, I have to believe it was Jay Jackson. I think it was um, his it's no, Pedro. It was the year before he went back to the states, and I think pitched for Milwaukee. Well, we did have. Well, yeah, he was a former when we, I talked to him in spring training in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, I think. So that's the last time. We, I, I know we've had Brad uh, Eldred on before. We were going to get Chris Johnson once one day, but I think it was Jay Jackson I ended up talking to. Anyway, we finally have a carp player on. Uh, Ryan hit 32 homers in AAA last year. That was a career high, but 
he said uh, he didn't really want to be an elevator player and uh, he has brought his talents to NPV and like I said, hit his first walk off uh, on Saturday to get the carp to 500 and uh, they lost today. But I think Ryan, you know, he, he's really fun. He, he also is a, I think he's a fairly decent, uh, he's a good defensive player at first. Uh, he's one of those rare guys who bats right and throws left. <laughs> you don't see that. You see more of the guy who bats left but throws right. So uh, he is full of enthusiasm, a great interview. I, I, I can make excuses as to what happened here with this interview, but I have to apologize to the listeners. I have two. I usually have a plan B when I record. I had my main device to remake this recording was my backup iPhone, which I used as an iPod. But for some reason, it recorded only silence. And I was not I was late to the to the button on my backup, which was the computer. And so I think we missed the first 45 seconds of this interview. And what we missed is, you know, my typical interview saying thank you for being on the show. And he said it was uh, great to be here. And then I asked what I, I'm sure longtime listeners know is typical. What was his career path that brought him here to Japan? And he was in the midst of answering that question when I finally got around to hitting the butter button on the backup plan B recording. And so this is what uh, Ryan Broom had to say. To Japan, but it's also brought me to Canada. I played, I played in Mexico. Um, I played at the Dominican and then obviously the U.S., and I'm blessed to say that I've made it all the way to Japan, um, to this great country that loves baseball. The culture of baseball is absolutely, I mean, it's just awesome, man. It's, it's great to be here. And uh, I was at a point in my career where I either had to make a decision if I wanted to go back uh, with Kansas City and then fight for an opportunity, you know, to go bounce up and down between AAA and the big leagues. Or do I want to come here to Japan, experience something, a culture that's completely different, make some good money, um, play against some of the best competition in the world, and and continue to play baseball in my career and follow my career. So um, that's what I decided to do. Yeah, it's, a, it's good to have you here in Japan. I remember your first hero interview. I don't know if it was the first game or not, but you threw out a joke about having to hit the weight room because the ball didn't go out. And I, I don't think it translated that well, but I laughed. But uh, how do you <laughs> how do you feel about those hero interviews after the games? Yeah, no, they're awesome, man. Our, our fans come out too every every single home game and support. Um, it's just constant support from the the city of Hiroshima. It's great, um, and obviously the hero interviews are they're fun, man. They they were a little nerve wracking at first, but I mean I'm used to them now. Everybody's just full of support. It's awesome, man. It's, you don't really hear any negative energy to be honest with you, so it's it's pretty easy. Now, how often do you hang around with the interpreter, of course, to experience the hero interviews when your teammates are out there? Oh, yeah, I'm always around them. Uh, Kimmy, Hero, and, and Teich, uh, they're all three great guys. And obviously, when my when my two other buddies are out there during the hero interviews, uh, I'm listening to every single word so I can, uh, you know, kind of relay back to them how they, how they looked or give them some crap about <laughs> what they said or, you know, just make fun of each other. That's all we do, man. Sounds like you guys are having a good time. Now, many, many first-year imports um, get a lot of assistance from some of the guys who are already there. You don't have that many players <laughs> who are, have that experience with you, with the team right now. So what's it like there? How's, how smooth has the transition been for you with, you know, you guys having to 
fend for yourselves out there in a new world of baseball. Yeah, for sure. No, all three of us are first-year players here. But, I mean, it's been super easy. The Everything was here for us. The, the first day I got here, everything was just all mapped out. I mean, my kitchen table was full of papers of just instructions of what I needed to do or if I had any questions or, I mean, anything like that. Everything was just right in front of me. So the transition to come here was super easy. My apartment was already set up, all of that. Um, the team was just welcome me with open arms man it was and the, and the city did as well so it's been super easy now what have you observed so far about the npb brand of baseball it is full of talent and it's full of guys that know the game and study the game and know their opponent and study their opponent as well um, like we mentioned before we got on the show uh that guys are just they will they will pick at your weaknesses and if you don't figure it out then it's going to be it's going to be tough for you so you got to be able to adjust on the fly and um that's what i really noticed guys are very smart um it's a it's a it's a league full of finesse it's not just power it's it's also like finesse and knowing the game and body control and, and things like that um along with some power as well so you know it kind of hits on all aspects of the game you know, I always talk about this on the show that it's not always the physical um, stress that you go through for the season. It's the mental stress of preparing. How much is that stress <laughs> of impacting your play when, you, when you're out there day to day and going up against teams and then you come out of interleague or you go into interleague, you come out of interleague? How much is that stress impacting you? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's what baseball is mostly. Um, as far as the, as the body parts, you have to learn. At this point in my career, I kind of learned how to control um, my workload, so my body feels great, but a lot of times it is, you're right, it's the mental part, it's the turning on to compete every single day, locking it in every single day, and, uh, you know, going out there and, and, like I said, competing to your, your maximum potential every single day, that's what kind of burns guys out a little bit, and that's where you can kind of fall off, um, but being able to do that every day is, it's tough, but if you can, um, the better off you'll be. Obviously, yeah. Now, the Carp coming into this season had a number of questions. Uh, who's going to replace Seiya Suzuki? Who's going to be a regular at certain positions and all that kind of stuff? Can you tell us what's it like and, and how fierce the competition was for those open positions? Well, I actually wasn't even here for spring training. I wasn't here for camp. Yeah, so I kind of just got here. and When, when did you arrive? I wanted to compete. I didn't really know too much. I honestly didn't even know too much about the team. Obviously, I knew Seiya was going to sign and they were going to lose a, an all-star outfielder. Um, I didn't really know too much else, to be honest. I knew there was just a bunch of guys that uh, were really good players, and I just wanted to come in and do what I had to do to help this team win and just compete. I mean, just be my own self. I, I didn't want to try and replace anybody or substitute myself in for somebody lost or do anything like that. Just kind of just be myself, and um, hopefully they liked me. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at, just going every single day and compete. That's really all you can do. Now, when did you come in? Man, I got here like March 13th, I believe, and then I had to quarantine for five or six days. Um, then I played two or three minor league games, and then I got right to it, man. I had like eight or nine at-bats, I think, for spring training. And uh, I got right into the into the season, so... Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, well, you guys started out really well. How did you put things together as a team so quickly? Because you did have that strong start, like I said. Yeah, for sure. I think it was just the matter of going out and, and having fun with it and just and just competing. Um, 
I, I personally, I, I, I didn't know anybody really. Like, I, I didn't go through camp. I didn't go through anything. So I really didn't know anybody. So I don't know how to answer that question as far as like, you know, who put what together and who. I kind of was just out there playing baseball. <laughs> yeah, trying to. But now that I'm kind of learning the team a little bit, it's, it's a little bit easier to, you know, put a gauge on guys and what they can do and, you know, and things like that. But as far as like knowing anything about the team or. Or, or things like that. It's just I came in very blindfolded, which was kind of nice. Yeah, my, my partner really likes Sakakura. He thinks he's a really good player and uh, had him pegged as a as an MVP candidate. Maybe, you know, not maybe not this year, but in the future, he's a guy who, who's capable. Who else is really uh, capable on that team you've, uh, you've found to uh, be a reliable player? Oh, man, Sakakura is awesome. Uh, Nishikawa, unbelievable player. Kikuchi unbelievable player that's my man that's my man young guys too that can come in every single they, they they don't play for a couple of days because you know they're younger kind of establishing themselves and then they'll come in and just have massive games and i'm like oh my goodness this dude's really good um he needs a shot so um yeah there's a core group of uh, like a little bit of older guys and then obviously we have our younger guys coming up that kind of uh are in waves of playing a couple of days you know, sitting a couple of days and, and, and so so on and so forth. But um, yeah, like I said, it's it's just been fun, man. Yeah, no, Kikuchi is my guy, man. I've been on him for so long. I was hoping he would go to the majors, but he was. By the time he really came into his own, he was pretty much approaching thirty, and you know what that means in terms of going to the states. So uh, he didn't really take that path. <laughs> I think he could have. I mean, talk about a guy that talk about a guy that just knows the game and like plays at his own pace. Oh. Um, yeah, he's fun to watch, and I learned a lot from him, to be honest. I mean, we don't communicate really well, <laughs> obviously, because my Japanese is uh, zero. Um, I know none, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, just watching him play, man, I learned a lot, it's, and it's been awesome. He's like having like Yadier Molina at second base, is what is what I imagine. You know what I mean? Much, man. Just a captain that goes out there and just plays at his own pace yeah. never lets the game get too quick for him and just it's fun man right now here's another question i usually ask the first timers on the show and that's uh, to describe yourself as a hitter how would you describe yourself Ooh, as a hitter i like to describe myself as a guy that just can adjust you know like yeah i can hit for power yeah i can take a little base knock the other way yeah i can handle a righty sinker with 95 yeah, I can do a, a, a soft lefty. Like, just be able to handle every single pitcher has been like a goal of mine. Um, I'm not saying I do it, obviously, but it's a it's a goal of mine that I try to achieve, and that's the kind of hitter um, that I want to be. I don't want to be just pegged as a, you know, just a power guy or just a singles guy. Or I kind of want to be able to have the ability to do a little bit of everything. So, um, and the main thing is just to to adjust. So I'm a hitter that adjusts. And what I've learned over the course of my professional career is the quicker you can adjust, obviously, the better off you're going to be. So um, that's what I like to focus on, really. That's an awesome answer. That's the first time. I mean, I've been, we've been, this is the 12th year of our show, and that's, I've not heard that answer yet. So I hope Jim is impressed as well. All right, you just turned 30, I believe. Just turned 30. And uh, happy birthday, happy belated. And now you had a career high in home runs last year, and you're showing, you know, that you can produce here in Japan. What's your plan going forward? 
Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. And it's funny you ask because, I mean, my whole career, I never really knew. There, there wasn't one season where I really was like, oh, I'm going to do this next year or, you know, this is going to happen to me. And I think that goes for a lot of guys, pretty much everyone. Um, the game is so, it's just crazy the way things move and pieces go into certain places. You, you really don't know. Obviously, in a perfect world, I'd love to come back here and, and play for the Carp as long as I could. But um, you just never know, really. So my main focus right now is to just go out every day and compete and have fun with it. You know, uh, we all have plans. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do. And that's all they are. <laughs> words written yeah, on the paper yeah, sometimes. Yeah, or... Nobody knows. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate the time. Can't thank you enough. And uh, we're wishing you the best. We really enjoyed the talk you have a lot of energy and i and we can see that on the baseball field and we can hear it in this chat as well and i hope our listeners appreciate it so thanks a lot thanks john i appreciate you brother all right so like i said i i can tell you what a great dude ryan is but he was really into this idea of having the chat uh we were talking talking and i mean exchanging messages on twitter talking uh and like i said we we you know, we were talking about WhatsApp. We were talking about some other things. And then out of a blue, my phone rings and it says Ryan McBroom. And, uh, you know, within 10 minutes, he had downloaded the app and figured out how to call me, <laughs> which I've had line for like three years and I can't figure out how to find people. I can call them once I find them. But anyway, I loved it. It was awesome. I uh, apologize again for not getting the very beginning, but I think we only missed about 45 seconds. Anyway, what stood out with you, Jim Allen? Well, gee, I want to thank Ryan too because I really enjoyed watching him play in Hiroshima. They've had they've had some guys who could play, but it's like it's been sort of like one thing after another. Things haven't gone well the last couple of years for their imports, so I'm really glad that's working out well. Now, you know, he sounds so much like his hero interviews, <laughs> which he's just he's just it's, it's almost like you're going to say, "Stop being so nice." <laughs> you know, be, be, you know, show a little mean spirited stuff out there. Or, you know, we'll, we'll think this guy's just too nice. But I, I enjoyed the, the whole thing. Uh, you know, his his background and all the places he's been, and uh, I think he absolutely hits Japanese baseball on the head when he calls it, you know, finesse and 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 not just power. It, it, about how it hits on all aspects of the game. It's not just power, but some power and study and study and sometimes uh, some preparation and then some more study. Right. <laughs> I really got it. And I think he threw, uh, I guess the big thing I want to say is he, he said something really important. And, and of, of course you, you mentioned, you mentioned this and that was the comment about what kind of player he wants to be and what he wants to take away from this, which was, to be a, a player who, who can really, really, really adjust, which is a great thing to say because, A, you're not getting any younger. I don't care if you're 20 years old, you're not getting any younger. You can't go back. Um, right. But learning is something that, you know, it, it makes veteran players what they are. And I thought that was really smart. And the whole thing resonated with me because of a conversation I had this past week. And so often what you hear when baseball people uh, talk about uh, talent now, especially in the U.S., it's all about physical power 
and pitcher's stuff. You know, speed, arm strength, um, physique. And on the other hand, you know, but that's what he's talking about is maintaining, you know, a consistent mental balance through the grind and staying ahead of the curve by watching, working, adjusting, adjusting, adjusting. Now, the reason this resonated is because last week on Twitter, when I think we were talking about Shogo Akiyama going to the Central League instead of back to the, the, the PL, somebody on my Twitter, some po- I saw a post on my Twitter feed that said, PL teams pitching is better than all CL teams. And I said, well, maybe better than five. And I'm guessing whoever it was, I don't remember, sorry, I don't remember, probably listens to the podcast because I didn't say the Swallows, but he quickly jumped and said, look, I don't think the Swallows pitchers have the stuff to be the best, to be as good as the teams in the PL. And my point was, it ain't all, uh, you know, one part of the game is physical stuff and the ability to, you know, to, to execute physically and to be stronger and, and more accurate. But another part of it is being uh, repeatable and being smart and being flexible and having a better approach. And those are the things the Swallows does. The, those are the things the Swallows do. Uh, mm-hmm. They're consistently, they use, you know, it's like you hear the expression in, in, in other sports, good, high percentage shots, high percentage plays. The Swallows are like the, the team that's going to conquer Vegas because they, <laughs> they are taking every advantage that the game has, every advantage they can find that the game's going to give them that nobody else wants, and they're taking it. And to me, when Ryan talked about this, I mean, it was just like he was like a swallows, you know, like the swallows pitchers trying to throw first strikes, first pitch strikes on the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get ahead of this thing and, you know, use what the game, you know, use the advantage, take advantage of what the game gives you. And I, I really appreciated that. It was just the kind of approach I appreciate. Huh, that's interesting. You heard uh, adjust, adjust. I heard or I interpreted uh, him saying that he was multifaceted, mm-hmm. that he he's not just a home run hitter, he's not just a power hitter, he's not that he could do lots of things with the bat. And the reason I brought that up is because when we see those hitter heat maps with the zones divided up and their respective averages for each location, mm-hmm. the maps don't tell you what pitch that is. No, nope. you know it doesn't. It just says you know low, low and away the guy hits three hundred and. 350 or something and then low and in he's hitting oh 50 something well okay but um you know what's he hitting on fastballs low and away mm-hmm. what's he hitting on a, a, a hanging curve that ends up dropping low uh in the zone or you know uh, what's the breakdown there and then what is he doing with the what is that batter doing with those pitches it's just you know those heat maps can give you an idea about maybe where Someone's going to attack, but not with what. And I think that's when he talked about, you know, the finesse part or the thinking part. That's what I thought about was those heat maps. That's the first thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, everybody has a weakness. You know, I think I've talked mm-hmm. about it on the show. That if I go to the bat, yeah, it was last week or something. I go to the batting cage and that that pitch out down and away. I, I just cannot make my swing go there to hit it consistently. So that's the hole and. 
yeah, everybody knows you have the hole wherever it is, or not a hole per se, but a, a weak spot, and people are going to try to attack that. But with what? That makes a difference because maybe it's a weak spot for a particular pitch, but maybe not for uh, fastballs that are fairly flat, and even if they are 97, 98. So, um, you know, I thought about that, and yeah, he did have a good series against the Giants and, uh, you know, hit a couple home runs uh, on the weekend. And one of the pitches that he hit to, for that walk-off home run on Saturday uh, was this fastball up and away. And uh, some I had just heard someone say on ProYaku News that that's, you know, if he's going to, you know, up until now, their image of him was a guy who could really handle a lot of off-speed pitches. But if he's going to start hitting fastballs that are up and away that are borderline strikes uh, and he's going to start hitting those out of the park that that's really going to create some problems for the pitchers in the central league to try to get him out consistently so that's the kind of thing i thought about you know what uh, what are pitchers going to attack him with and 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 where and uh i would love to see his heat maps unfortunately you have to you have to be (laughs) privy to some pretty high level data to get that stuff and I am not, but I just love that part of the, the whole. I mean, again, you said you loved everything about it. I, I was tickled pink, you know, or tickled carp red to talk to him, and he was just such a nice guy. Answered all the questions so thoughtfully, and uh, and so with such so much enthusiasm, and just happy to be on the show. And I thought, man, this is just awesome. Uh, can we have more guys like this in NPB? <laughs> can we get him on the show? <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it was great stuff. So thank you for the for the questions and and the whole the whole bit. All right, thank you, thank you for your comment there. And uh, let's continue talking about the carp now. So midweek, the announcement came officially, and I, I actually didn't think Shogo Akiyama was going to be a, a, a carp. I didn't think he looked good in the Cincinnati Reds red, but I don't know. He looked a little bit different in the Hiroshima red, and it looked better for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to seeing him in that color now, but. He has uh, joined the Hiroshima Carp, and basically they showed his stats on TV on one of the new shows I watched, and he really only played 142 games or appeared in 142 games. I wouldn't say he played them all. <laughs> well, he didn't get he didn't game. get 400 plate appearances, which is really yeah, which is pretty yeah, yeah. minimal. You know, really doesn't tell yeah. us anything. Yeah, he only had 71 hits in the states, so uh, he's a career 301 NPB hitter. And I, I guess the first thing that popped into my head is where does he play? Does he play every day? Is he going to stay in games later that he's going to be a defensive replacement just because he's 34? He just turned 34, so he'll be 34 the entire season. Um, and then there just are some more questions. But I think well, let me give you a shot here before I get on into my my spiel here. But what do you think about the signing? Well, I guess first of all, repeat what I said, which is probably the carp. You know, went all wall, went all in on them because they figured they could save money on the hat. <laughs> use use that money; they don't have to get a hat for them, so they could use that money to print a couple of T-shirts to sell. <laughs> so, so there's that. And uh, the other thing was, we had somebody on the on. Well, we had, of course, the Twitter speculation that he's in the Central League because he didn't want to face CL pitching. I'm not quite so certain about that. PL, PL he didn't want to face PL pitching, so he jumped to the Central League. I'm not so certain about that. I think it was more likely 
Uh, right now, the Lions, at least, they have the players they want uh, in center field, and I don't think they wanted to sign him to play left field. <laughs> and so I think, you know, they had all kinds of things, but and the Lions kind of had to make an offer because that's what happens when, when former players return from the majors. His teams sure. have to make offers. And I, I think the Hawks... And they have to make it look like they really, yeah, really are making yeah, an offer. that's for the fan base. And the Hawks made yes. an offer probably because they nobody was able to tell Masayoshi Son to shut up again. Because <laughs> he's like, I swear, if you know, I'm, I'm surprised they weren't all in on Tsuyoshi Nishioka. Because, wow, he's in the major leagues. Wow, let's get that guy. You know, that's kind of the thing that, the, the, that uh, Son does. So um, that was my thought. And, of course, you know, the question is, you know, 400 at-bats in MLB, what does it tell you? Well, some people will tell you it means a whole lot. But I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and uh, my, my friend C. Trent Rosecrantz, who's a beat writer for the Cincinnati Red and writes for The Athletic, said, you know, he, he did have a difficulty with the velocity, which doesn't surprise me. Because when you're 30, you know, 33, 34 years old, and you're facing consistent velocity like you've never seen in your life, except mm-hmm. on rare occasions, that's a really difficult adjustment. And I had this discussion with Bob Whiting uh, about because he wrote a whole thing about how how come Akiyama was doomed to fail, and because he didn't have what it took, and and I don't want to I don't want to go into his um, I don't want to go into his whole uh, argument for fear of uh, uh, of not getting it right, but his he sort of took this tone that some guys can cut it in MLB and some guys can't, and that Akiyama had no way he was going to cut it um, in retrospect. And, and he pointed out that somebody in the Reds organization said, you know, he's the next Ichiro, which is laughable because a he's thirty four years old. <laughs> Or he was thirty-three. He was thirty-two years old, I guess, when they signed him. And sure, and Ichiro. But he went, was never that kind of hitter. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't at that level. I mean, he was a he was uh, a similar player. I think uh, when he was when he was twenty-seven, he was a similar player to what Norichikaoki was. He was probably a little better player than Norichikaoki was at the same age. But you know, so that's that's what we're we're looking at. And not not Ichiro Suzuki, but but uh, maybe Aoki was slightly less average in speed and a little more power, but but the whole thing was laughable. And the whole idea that well he couldn't cut it because he didn't have what it took is is a hindsight thing. You know we know because because he didn't. And I yeah well I mean I I, I don't know when. Robert came up with that idea, but I was saying it all along. I said he was a fourth outfielder. Even if he went to the States, I really wasn't expecting a whole no, lot from him. Anyway. I wasn't either, but I'm just saying that the thing is, you know, and this is the thing with baseball. I mean, you can, scouts can look at guys and because we know scouts never make mistakes. Ha <laughs> uh, They can tell you, they will tell you with certainty why this guy is going to fail and why he's going to succeed because, because that's their job. But as I said, they never make mistakes, so they're always right. And <laughs> and they're looking at it, and they're looking at his tools. And if you look at his numbers, you know they'll tell you he failed, but they don't tell you whether he could. You know he was required to fail, or he was determined to fail. 
Um, so I think most of the explanations are we don't really know. You know, it's just that they're beyond our comprehension. And anybody sure. who says this is the reason he failed is kind of talking out their butts. Okay. So uh, uh, I don't know why it is exactly, but likely, yeah, I think uh, my basic premise is that it's really hard to be to catch up to um, much faster pitching than you've seen late in your career. Hideki Matsui didn't have to do it. Ichiro Suzuki didn't have to do it. Shohei Otani didn't have to do it. Even Tadahito Iguchi wasn't that old when he went to the States. Sure, sure. All right, so I'm looking at the carp and I'm wondering, okay, uh, do they want him to, to, to lead off? Do they want him mostly for the bat? Uh, where are they going to put him defensively? Uh, we really haven't seen him play defensively recently, so what is he now at 34? Do they, I mean, the carp like to steal bases, like to take the extra base. Is he that kind of player? Does he fit into that uh, kind of mold for them? Uh, I would like to see how they profiled him and where they want to use him and how he's going to be used. Now, he said at his presser that he wants to go for 2,000 hits, so that was something that was on his mind. He's at 1,476, so for argument's sake, let's say you know almost 200 hits a, a season, no. maybe about three seasons. No. He's well, I mean, not. no, he's not going to get that. But no, yeah. I think it's going to take him about five years. Okay, but you, but that puts him at 39, which is a realistic goal and age for some of these guys. We look at Takumi Kuriyama, who's still swinging uh, at his age, but he doesn't play a lot. Uh, he's pressed in the service on occasion, but uh, he doesn't play in the field. The Central League team, I, I'm just assuming that we're going to have a DH soon there because he chose that league uh, over the Pacific League. You know, he had two out of three chances to go where there was going to be a DH where he could play out his years as a designated hitter, uh, per se. So I'm just wondering how I, I just see the carp using him. I I do see a left field for him because it's one way to conserve or just not wear him down physically. Um, I don't, I, if I were out there as a manager or a coach, I wouldn't want him running around every day in center field trying to cover ground for whomever they put in left and right. And then uh, also hit and try to steal bases and all that. That's a lot of wear and tear on a guy who's going to be, you know, I don't want to say past his prime, but he's, he's he, is past, he is past his prime. That's okay. Well, let's just say he's closer to the end of his career than the beginning. Let's put it. I'll say he's past his prime. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Most guys are past their prime once they get to, you know, a certain age. So it's a long, oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean he's finished. It just means that, uh, don't expect him to be <laughs> to hit like he did when he was 27. Yeah. So uh, we got to move on. But uh, those are my questions. So I'm really interested in seeing uh, where he goes. And then I, I just realized that my buddy, Yuhei Matsuyama, who's ostensibly been, you know, a guy they put in out there for his bat, but replace as quickly as possible because of his defense, <laughs> Might not get as many. He's a left-handed batter. So he might not get as many opportunities as he has been getting. And who gets pushed off the roster? And I'm not sure Akiyama's a difference-making move in terms of getting a lot more positive outcomes from games. But he'll add some depth to the lineup for sure. He's going to improve the defense. If you do put him in left field, it could be a Haruki Nishikawa situation with the Rakuten Eagles. How? took a guy who was not a great center fielder and put him in left and, and the numbers go up because he has less space to cover. And 
less distance to throw the ball. So I think there are a lot of positives for this and that it can help them make a push. And they're right there. Like all the teams, it seems, in the Central League are right around 30 victories, uh, except for the Yakult Swallows who just are, you know, swallowing up everybody and they have 50 plus. But um, this should be a good move for the Hiroshima Carp to make that push for the playoffs. And I didn't have them finishing in the playoffs, but I think this could, you know, make the difference in a situation now here in July. Whenever he, I, And I, I'm sure that whenever he gives the thumbs up, they say, OK, we'll bring him up to the top team and uh, let's start playing it. Because he did have a double in his first game on Saturday on the farm and then a walk. And then I think he only had those two plate appearances and they took him out. So should be really fun for the Carp fans. Yeah, I think so. I mean, of course, the other thing he brings you is that he he is a really smart outfielder. And another thing is yeah, Hiroshima's... Uh, Hiroshima's left field is is fairly uh, small compared to okay. compared to right field. I mean, it's not it's it's not as small as Jingu, but it's not as big as as most parks in Japan. So yeah, that's that's good. It's a shorter space. He was always a smart outfielder. His tools always looked like they were in decline uh, for a variety of reasons, but his his defensive numbers were steadily declining. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what he'll bring, and uh, it's going to be fun watching them. All righty, let's make a four-seam transition, and it's time for mini tracks. Our monthly look at the power rankings, and this should be quick because uh, <laughs> there's one team that's really good, and a couple teams that are really bad. And the good team is the Yakult Swallows, and my goodness, they ate up the Pacific League in interleague play, and then they came back into central league play and they're like you know those other teams we had to really gear up for them we can beat you guys running backwards so they went 19 and 4 in june and they're they're really good in july too let's put it that way uh but um 19 and 4 i was trying to find out if that was a club record for a month or for the month of june i didn't see anything did you see any reports i did not yeah, it must not have been a record because that's the first thing they talk about. So let's just assume it wasn't. But I can't imagine another month where you had 25 games or 23 games, I'm sorry, and won 19 of them. So uh, <laughs> it's got to be pretty close. <laughs> and that's the top team, obviously, for June. And then the Hanshin Tigers, they went 14 and 8. They were really good. And then the Lotte Marines went 13 and 7. So had a pretty good June. Why don't you do your bottom three? Or is that your top three? Or did you have someone else in there? Uh, my top three were the Lions, the Swallows, and the Tigers. Whoa, whoa, and whoa. <laughs> and we had to have the Swallows because we didn't have any bears to go with the Wizard of Oz trio. So we put the Swallows in there. <laughs> and then my bottom three. Well, wait a minute okay. now. Why Why are you going with – I'm so shocked I don't even remember who you said. because Lions wasn't and Swallows and Tigers. Why the Lions? I mean, they finished strong. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just talking about the last 30 days. So I thought they they had a really good uh, 30 days. I mean, they didn't. They lo- all the all the losses were close losses. Hmm. No, they looked. They I I thought they were they were pretty solid. And then coming back with you know they're getting good starts from from. Oh, you you hit me with that solid. You know, I always say solid is a. Good oh, way oh to excuse me. Oh, excuse me. They got. They got they got very they got very useful starts out of pretty much all their starting pitchers and the bullpen has been has been quite good. Of course, as soon as I say that, then then we get 
Tatsujimasa losing his first game of the year. <laughs> but yeah, I I only say that because uh, I, I I actually you know how I go through my process. The Lions were one of the teams I thought of because they had had so many strong games and so so many and, and a couple of good runs. But when I looked at the overall record, it was no, they didn't have a, they didn't have a vertically good record. No, 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 they didn't. But it was the Marines, and then I thought, but the Marines they had a couple stretches. But it, you know, if somebody were to ask me who do you think won more games in the month, I would have said the Lions. So I just wanted to find out why. No, you felt no, that. no. I, I mean, the Marines basically they are so incredibly inconsistent. They'll score. Yes. They'll score. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've scored. I would. I, I think they've scored most of their runs in the last month in three games. When they, when they scored, they scored 18 runs, I think, in three games, and they, I think, they scored nine runs in their other ones. You know, they, they, what happened was a couple of times they got, they got deep into the, into the, the backwaters of some team's bullpen, and blew it up. <laughs> but otherwise, they were pretty much useless. <laughs> I mean, they had some great. They had some good pitching. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say they didn't. They had some good pitching, but yeah, overall, it was not. A, it was not really impressive. Uh, it was not a. But yeah, I, I mean, the swallows, and we just saw on Saturday, uh, they won their magic numbers at 53, and you know, the magic of magic numbers in Japan, it appears and disappears and pops up over here, and you turn around and it's gone, and <laughs> you look up at the ceiling and it's back on again. So, um, but it's as soon as we've seen a magic number announced here in Japan since the Nankai Hawks on July 6th in 1965 in the Pacific League, and then in 2003 it was July 8th for the Tigers. So, uh, look at the Swallows are almost 30 games over 500, which I really can't even fathom. I remember, and I guess. You have to keep this in mind. You have to remember, 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 Nobuyuki, Okugawa, and Domingo Santana really haven't been there much. I, I guess Santana was there earlier in the season, but Okugawa just hasn't been around. So they're going to get better. Yikes. <laughs> they're already the reigning Japan Series champs. They won interleague. Um, they're really starting to stack up that resume to look at a strong back-to-back title run. And and perhaps this this time knocking off the class of the Pacific League that would be interesting. But that you know the uh, and if you're just assuming that the Sopeng Hawks are the class of the Pacific League and they are right now in first place, so headed for a clash perhaps. Perhaps you know. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Tigers were 13 and seven, and uh, they did okay as well. So you know there were some. And like I said, Lotte was 13 and seven as well. Your bottom three. Go ahead. You go first. Uh, number 10, the little bosses, number 11, they're only 10. Who's 11, the frying fish and the carpy. Yes. And 12, the draggings. Yeah, they are draggings, (laughs) draggings their butts along the season through the season. Well, I, I do agree with the dragons at 12. I would put the fighters at 11 and the carp. Uh, I just see so much more with the carp. I see uh, some stronger pitching, starting pitching, more consistent uh, among those three for sure. And uh, I, I just see with that little guy, what's his name? Do you say Hotsky? Mm-hmm. With his goofy haircut and his his funny looking face, he's, he's more talented than 
most most of the backups for uh, the Dragons for sure. So <laughs> with his effort alone, but I, I'm looking at the Dragons, and I'm, I mean it's officially a sinking ship. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not even. I mean the rats are already gone. I sure, mean, <laughs> sure, probably. Yeah, the rats have already departed that one. I mean, basically, the they they wait once a week, they, about every ten or twelve days, for Daiki Mitsumata to come up and be the hero. You know, either to get hit with a pitch or or to squeak a ball through the infield and be on the hero interview. But that's pretty yeah. much, that's the Dragons. I mean, they, they they have these days when they, I mean, of course they won a game, they won a game the other day when their opponents uh, left, I think about about 37 minutes, <laughs> the, the shutout when their opponents like left 37 runners on base or whatever. Yeah, yeah it was, it was pretty wild. Yeah, so uh, Dragons were 7-15 and 15 in June, and I didn't think they won that many games because it seems like, remember that, that inaugural season for the Rock 10 Eagles, it seemed like every win the Eagles had was stopping a losing streak, and that seems to be the case with the Dragons. They'll win to stop, you know, some bleeding from, some blood from squirting out of one part of the body, but it just shoots out of another part. Yeah. <laughs> they have no way to control it. No, there are not enough bandages in Nagoya to stop all the blood that's happening there. <laughs> and I don't get it. I, I really don't get it because the thing about Tatsunami is we thought that he was going to come in and at least get the the batting in order and figure out a way to score runs. And it just has been the opposite. They've looked at times they've looked worse. I think they were shut out for the 15th time this season. That was today against the Tigers, and it wasn't like the Tigers rolled out their best arms out there to shut them out. So it's it's just a it's a you know all, uh, we made the joke about all the rats have left. There aren't any dumpsters to have fires anymore around there. I mean it's all it's all just uh, it's a wreck. Yeah, they probably um, they probably pulled the dumpsters out. I mean, leave the players; they're okay, they're expendable. But we need don't don't, don't, don't mess the don't don't wait don't lose those dumpsters. You know, the rat said, we're, we're leaving and we're taking the trash with us. <laughs> Not even leaving them the trash. So, and then the other weird thing is that the pitching is, while it is good on occasion, mm-hmm. it sometimes is really bad. And you said that the, the Marines had some spotty stretches. It's the Dragons who are really spotty because they can be really good for stretches. And then if things don't go right, they're really bad. And um, this is awful. So the fighters... I was thinking early on it was going to be Akihiro Yano, the Tigers, who was good because they were losing every day early in the season. I thought he was going to quit. I thought he was going to walk away. Now I think it's it's Tatsunami. He's going to be the one who just says, you know, we're awful, we're awful. The guy who's not going to go away, maybe he has to be fired, is, is big boss, Tsuyoshi Shinjo up in Hokkaido. But, you know, they look like an an awful misguided team to me. And I say that because... They have some moments and they have some instances and they have some players, but you talk about the lack of consistency there. Mm-hmm. They, they've got stronger weaponry, I think, than what they're showing. And that's a reflection of, like I said, you know, somebody misguiding. I think we had the conversation years and years ago. I said, look, you can have a really good weapon, but if you don't know how to use it or you're not using it the right way, then it's not an advantage. You know, if, it might be a more powerful weapon than your opponents or your enemy, but if you're not using it right, it's not. You know, it just ends up being a regular weapon. And I, and that's what I'm seeing is that the team, I think it's playing below what it should be 
in terms of wins. Yeah. And uh, you have a number of the numerical analysis and you've looked at the sabermetrics and all that stuff. You can probably tell us maybe on the next show, but, you know, for like runs expected and all that stuff. I, I just, you know, they've got so many guys running in and out of the lineup. The pitchers uh, seem to be on some kind of rotation, but sometimes they get some extra time off. We don't really get much explanation. It's not like they have an all-star like Sasaki, so we don't have to worry about them babying or, uh, you know, having the kid gloves on a particular pitcher. But it just, I just don't see a lot, enough, enough consistency up there that everything is ragtag and random, and it, and that bothers me. Well, I know I'm I'm in agreement with what you say when when you say that they've got more talent than their win their uh, one loss record, mm-hmm. or their one one lost record. I suppose it should be. Or their one win record. Yeah, well, one that's win a week. Yeah, and you know, but part of the Shinjo thing is to let the players sort of see what they can do. You know, let the players become the baseball players they can they can be, and I'm all for that. But when while you're doing that, he's doing the opposite. Uh, and I'll I'll share something. It was a very brief comment that I guess uh, Hiromitsu Ochi was on the TV the other day commenting on a, doing an analysis, uh, working as an analyst for a, a a game, and he said somebody asked him what's up with the swallows, and he says. Well, they got a game plan, and they stick to it. And then they got uh, Munitaka Murakami looking like you know the the world's greatest cleanup hitter, day in and day right. out. And those two things are just are just hard to beat. And I think the the idea of the plan is something the Swallows really have, and something the Fighters absolutely don't have. They don't have a you know a plan to employ. I think they're. I think Shinjo's Shinjo's idea. And, and I don't think it's a bad idea, is to let's see what the players can do. I mean, that's why he said last week that, you know, wins and losses are kind of overrated. You know, I'm not I'm not in it for the wins and losses. I'm in it to see what the players can show me. And if that happens, that's what you get. Now, the wins and losses are, are sort of a, a, a side, you know, a, 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 what's the word, a byproduct of that. You know, when they play well and everything comes together, then they win games and Otherwise, they don't. But he's in into it for their development and, and their learning and such, and he seems to be happy with that. Of course, the fighters ain't done nothing for a couple of years, so I guess they're happy with that. So it doesn't, doesn't seem to bother them. I mean, the organization. Hey, big smiles. Yeah, big smiles, big laughs, big boss. Indeed. So, <laughs> well, next, you know, so I, I don't know they're going to fire him, but they don't have to rehire him. They, they only signed him to a one-year contract ostensibly. So, so yes, uh, I think he has to consider next year, but they don't. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, I think if you ask the fans, they're probably happy with him. So sure. and that, that matters too. Their fighters are too certainly bad. a much more fun team than they were when they were a much uh, more fun and enjoyable team to watch than they were under Kuriyama. Oh yeah, they're they're aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing compared to the Dragons because they just they don't hit, they pitch a little bit, they play some defense, and the games are snooze fests. <laughs> well, tell us what you really think, John. Oh no, I can't do that. Okay, that's probably yeah, it's a family show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
I cannot do okay. that. Let's make let's make a two seam transition. We're really we're really packed with stuff this week. We've got the players of the month coming out on Friday this week, so we've got to get to those guys. And and I didn't even know Jim Jim sent me a message tonight. He said, "Hey, dummy, <laughs> we've got the players of the month coming out on Friday." What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I did not say dummy. I didn't even think dummy. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm reading in, I'm reading between your, you know, SMS lines. Okay. <laughs> All right. So players of the month. So let's race through this one. So um, who you got? Let's start, let's, let's start with the Central League. Who do I have? Well, it was going to be the obvious choice. Yusuke Oyama with the Tigers because he had hit like a million home runs and and had this huge month. And then you look up at the numbers, Murakami of the Swallows made such a great push at the end, and he hit over 400. He's got more home runs. Uh, I think he walks away with it laughing. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think it would be a shock if anybody won it, from, won it besides him. He had a 1.455 OPS. He was second in run, yeah. run scored back of uh, one back of his of the, his the leadoff man who he's driving in all the time. Yasutaka Shiomi. Uh, he leads the league with 35. Led the league with 35 RBIs, which was a, a, a team re- tied to a team record. He drew 17 walks, oh, most in the CL. Hit 14 home runs, most in the CL, and he was third. He was third in the Central League in steals. <laughs> So it's like, yes. pardon? Yeah, Oyama had a great month, but he had it in the wrong month. Yeah, he indeed. Have done indeed. Month ago. Sure. No. Yeah. All right, and then for pitchers, uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was that hard actually. Um, Koyo Aoyagi of the Tigers, three and zero. He had a really good ERA. He had the most strikeouts. He threw basically of the guys in contention the most innings. So. Based on that three and zero, of course I got it wrong last time. I said Onuki was the guy. He did not win. I, did, I still don't know why. I, I I don't know what math they were using or you know what they were using. But uh, Aoyagi two point two two ERA. He went three and zero through twenty eight and a third innings. So I think he's the guy. But uh, you know Itomi, his teammate, had a better ERA. Also went three and zero. What 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 was the inning? They were all about the through, same. Same number of innings. Uh, Aoyagi had more strikeouts. That was the only thing that he can say that he, he did better. So I don't know, you know, thinking that way. And plus, they they didn't take Onuki of the base star. So what do you think? Well, there's another guy who's essentially got three guys, essentially all the same numbers except for strikeouts, and that's a Yasuhiro uh, Ryan Ogawa, who's also three and zero with the with the best ERA of the three. Um, he didn't have the strikeouts. Because of course he's Ryan Ogawa and he doesn't strike guys out. While their earned runs averages were all the same, he didn't allow any unearned runs, unlike the other guys, and he didn't allow any mm. home runs like the other guys. And okay. so I I think that's uh, I would put Ogawa and Aoyagi and and push because of Aoyagi's strikeouts and those things I just mentioned, I'd put one of those two. Uh, yeah, whoever whoever is, fine. I'm good. Even if it's Ito, right. I'm good. There's there, you know, pick you know, you know, pick them. Pick them. All right, let's go to the Pacific League and pick them over there. Uh, who's your hitter? Uh Yutaro Sugimoto uh, of the Oryx Buffaloes. 
Yep, second in home runs, tied for the lead in RBIs, led in OPS, 902. Okay, Yusuke Oyama's going like, how come I'm not in that league? You know, how come I can't be in that league this month? Well, the answer was, you were. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, you played in the league, homie. (laughs) You were digging around in that pitching batch of pitchers over there for a little while. Yeah, it's... It's a it, it's a tough call. I have no idea to be honest. These guys, I mean, nobody's has the standout. You know, we saw a couple of four hundred hitters in the Central League, in the Pacific League. We got a couple guys, you know, at three Ginji Akaminai of the Eagles at three eleven, but he didn't really do much with it. The OPS is six seventy, and Keita Nakagawa, a guy I'm glad is getting another opportunity because he was doghoused uh, under the previous regime and. Uh, He's back in good graces uh, with the new regime, and he's he hit 309, but not a lot of you know a lot of it was a soft 309, so that's that's not a lot of production. So I can see why you're going with Sugimoto. 282 though is not sexy in terms well, of batting average. Yeah, well, 282, but look, I mean, who who led the league? 311, Genji Akamura. I'm, I'm just I I'm not making an argument for not picking him. Yeah. I'm trying to. Pick the brains of these people who are making the picks. Well, that's a good law. Don't, don't get it, don't get it, yeah, don't get it confused. No, I'm you, with you. I would, I would go with Sugimoto. I just don't know that they find 282 sexy enough. They like it sexy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I think they like it a little on the stupid side too. But you know, hashtag <laughs> hi. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I say? Did I come out with a pejorative there? Oops. Is that a, is this thing on? Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You pejorative even ran out of the house on that one. All right, let's look at the pictures. I, I, I'll go with you on Sugimoto. Let's look at the pictures. Who do you have there? Yoshinobu Yamamoto. So I got a Buffalo Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, Any Romero with the Marines also went three and zero. Didn't throw that many innings, but the ERA is zero point four three, but. Yamamoto's ERA zero point five six. He also went three and zero, had a lot of strikeouts, threw a lot of innings. Um, yeah, he looked like Japan's ace, and I think he's going to win it. Even though his teammate uh, uh, Daiki Tajima mm. also finished with a sub one ERA and three got three wins as well, but not, not as many innings, not as many strikeouts, not as dynamic. Doesn't have the big name, <laughs> although. Takanori Norimoto of the Eagles also went 3-0, had a 2.08 ERA, mm. had 25 strikeouts, but I, I think he, he comes up short. So, yeah, it should be yeah, it should be Yama. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I thought Amy Romero just had a tremendous month. I mean, uh, but, but you know, <laughs> one, full, one full game. Yeah, one full game. And. And for the first time this uh, this year, somebody led led a league and led the PL in strikeouts besides Roki Sasaki. So, yeah, yeah. See you, Punk. <laughs> nice working with you. All right, let's go rocking with Roki, the Rewa rock star. Uh, he finally got back on the mound. I shouldn't say finally got, but he did have an extra rest again after uh, pitching his previous game and. On Friday at Zozo Marine Stadium, we were just robbed. Uh, it ended up being a 6-4 comeback win for Lote, but Roki was on his way to maybe striking out maybe 15 or 16, but he, he fanned 10 and in four innings, and uh, we were in store for something really exciting when the 
bleeding blister on his pitching hand forced him out of the game. So gave up two hits and two walks. Uh, he had the fastball working because he was spotting it and the other pitches were sharp. But, you know, in route to this this W that the Marines picked up, I just felt bad for, I think, even Masahiro Tanaka, his, his pitching opponent, after giving up some runs early and saying, oh, wait, uh, Sasaki's out of the game? You know, <laughs> I got a chance here. So he's kind of settled down and he was pitching better. We hadn't seen this matchup since, uh, I think, it was September of last year, mm-hmm. was it? And Which was uh, a much better got, game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, these guys pitching against each other. So it was must-see TV, but uh, Tanaka was on this career-worst six-game skid uh, in terms of his decisions, a uh, six-decision mm-hmm. losing streak, is, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And he ranged from mediocre to out of form in some instances in those starts over those six games. But on Friday, he was he was so, so early, and then he was gone after five innings. So we just got robbed. It just wasn't what we expected, and... Oh, no, I was just kind of disappointed at the whole thing. The game that I thought we were going to get, we actually got the next day <laughs> with a different set of pitchers <laughs> in a different game. But, yeah, yeah, what did you see? Well, I saw, you know, what I saw was the splitter looking really. <laughs> I mean, of course, he, when he locates his fastball, especially low in the zone, I mean, he can throw his fastball yes. up in the zone. But uh, what happened was he had a different catcher. Toshio Sato caught him, which was new. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we had a completely different look for him because, uh, look, I, I, and also I think everybody was kind of getting used to the way uh, Komatsukawa was catching him, was attacking hitters. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And lots of like fastballs uh, almost out of the zone, especially to right-handed hitters. You know, on falling, He was beginning to fall behind a lot in counts, uh, getting sort of getting too cute by half and uh, Sato was much more aggressive than Matsukawa has been in a little while. And this, you know, the splitter, which was, was the, he was locating, the, you know, he's putting the splitter more or less where he wanted it for the most he's done in a long time. And the other thing was that his command of the slider was really good. So now he's, he's throws this, the, the splitter to the left-handed hitters, and, you know, it's splitter fastball, an occasional curve, and the occasional curve, the fastball, and mostly the slider with some splitters to uh, right-handed hitters. And the slider mm-hmm. was really good. I mean, especially with the right-handed hitters, they've got to look at, A, the fastball, B, the splitter, and the forkball, and just just help them. <laughs> just somebody, yeah. somebody, you know, call call the United Nations and get an intervention or something, because that's not fair. Yeah, it's not right. It is not right. And uh, again, uh, I would have liked to have seen more. We didn't, you know, I think the, the the actual game that we expected to see then we saw on Saturday was uh, Tomoyuki Sugano and Masato Morishita, mm. the uh, Giants and Carp respectively. And that was quite the game yeah. that was scoreless until the, the ninth inning. And that's the one where Ryan McBroom hit the walk-off home run. So I kind of expected a game like that on Friday with these guys on the mound. We just didn't get it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not disappointed. It was a good game. And the Eagles uh, had a lead and looked like, you know, Tanaka was going to win and end the skid. And then they couldn't hold the lead. And <laughs> it ends up a win for for the Marines, who have been playing better. You talked about how they've been inconsistent. But uh, as, far as, as far as Sasaki goes... Uh, Iguchi said he'd evaluate him and decide on his next start. 
Um, and he had come off uh, a, a couple of breaks be- or longer or more than more than usual, well, the, longer than usual breaks. Well, the Marines had a start. weird schedule. Um, he would he right. was scheduled to go win. I mean, he he had pitched the previous Wednesday, I think, and he wasn't going to go. The Marines had a mo- schedule was to play Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Right. And Wednesday was going to be Ayumu Ishikawa's start, but that got. Hey, we're playing Friday at home. Let's let's go with Roki. I think, or maybe they'd already planned on using him on Friday. Uh, the Wednesday game got uh, canceled because of the Marines, uh, the Hawks' uh, coronavirus issues this week. Yes, yeah, yeah, we did have th- that game canceled, and yeah, so I mean, Friday's a good as that. That was the season started on a Friday, and that's when it's supposed to be ace night anyway. So it's as good a hmm. night as any, and we got that matchup, so that was good. But I bet we see. Extra rest in this blister situation, they're going to have to evaluate, like Yuguchi said. And so we're not exactly sure when he'll get his next start. But I would imagine we'll see some more extra rest here and there, especially in the second half. But they're going to have to start pushing him a little bit if they're going to make the playoffs. They've got to stay in playoff contention. And I think that'll also dictate what they're going to do. So you know, uh, good luck to the Marines as they keep moving forward and try to march toward uh, that first place uh prediction that i had them <laughs> sure this, i'm sure that's a very important to them I, it is we talked to brandon laird before the season or right at the start of the season and uh <laughs> he told me they would do their best so yeah that is <laughs> that's a, I, that's a know, guarantee you know what I, you know what occurred to me with the blister happening in in june oh, actually that happened on the first of july and not june was you know, talking to one of the MLB scouts about Roki Sasaki being a, a you know a good candidate to be a two-way player out of high school, but uh, it it wasn't something I guess that he was a big deal for him. But now I'm I'm thinking back to this other guy's fourth year. This is Roki Sasaki's third pro season, but I remember this this other guy Shohei Otani and his his fourth year. In the middle of the season, they he had a blister and he couldn't pitch. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they said, "Well, you know what? He can't pitch, but he can hit every day. So let's just have him hit every day. Forget about that pitching stuff for a while." <laughs> and that was his MVP year. You know, that he he came back and they said, "Like, yeah, no, just keep hitting. Don't worry about the pitching. We'll, we're covered." <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I kind of like to see that with Sasaki. I know I'm just I'm just kind of going all, off my meds here, but. Well, what's new? Hashtag hi. No, I mean, you know, I found found it very fascinating that Akira Neo of the Dragons couldn't get a sniff of the top team as a hitter. But even though he didn't train and do all the spring training as a pitcher with the Dragons, he's staying on the top team as a pitcher. Mm -hmm. I find that I find it weird. Well, you really good. Well, no, you and everybody else who who thinks that baseball players can't succeed unless they go through a grueling spring train, you know, fall camp, spring camp. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't think he can succeed. I'm saying usually we see these guys go through this rigorous training in the spring, Mm -hmm. especially pitchers and, and they go through a lot. And for all we know, he only started pitching that one day that, the, the team was running out of pitchers in a in an extra inning game, and we saw him in the bullpen one day, and then that may have been the first time he pitched. Who knows? Well, I, he had I, been I, he had been throwing in the bullpen in the spring, so 
So that was okay, something yeah. that had been happening. I mean, it had been something that had been on the back burner, but, and I really think Tatsunami, I think Tatsunami wanted him to be a two-way player. Okay. But the problem is Tatsunami yeah. isn't, you know, it, it wasn't a planned thing. And he, he's, I don't think he really planned for the abuse he was going to get as soon as he said, I want Neo to be a two-way player. <laughs> it, well, you know, it came pretty much well. It did. You it, really I think it was pretty serious. I'll bet. I mean, if all these old guys are coming out of the woodwork to just talk about it on, you know, one of the things that is always kind of interesting when there's something that goes against the grain. Very often, sports editors will say, like, uh, like with uh, Akihiro Yana's decision to quit, announce it on the day before spring training started. You know. Mm-hmm. All the sports editors in Japan say this was a highly controversial mood and all the Tigers, former Tigers players are up in arms. But I couldn't find a single story in which a Tigers player was, you know, upset about it. You know, they all said, oh, it's really, you know, it's a really hard job. <laughs> it's a really hard job. And, you know, I was surprised, but, you know, it's his choice. <laughs> but the editors were like going, no, 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 you can't be so conciliatory <laughs> you've got to be up in arms and uh but with with the neo thing boy you couldn't you couldn't go five steps without reading a story about they've got this backwards you know everybody's coming out and saying oh it's all it's fine to be a two-way player but you should be a good good at one thing first and those are the people who who were dead set against Shohei Otani from the beginning because he wasn't good at either first. Yeah. Well, the thing about Nao is like, I just find it strange that he couldn't make the team at, yeah, as a position player, but he, he it has made the team as a pitcher. It is, and it is weird. Everybody keeps saying, you know, he, he still has to do this. He still has, that he's, he's not a polished pitcher, hmm. but he's still on the top team. That's just weird. And the other thing is if you're the manager of a team, you bump all that stuff that you hear and read you're the guy who's in charge. That it shouldn't ever, ever matter to you. And if you are your own person, then just do your thing. So I don't know what that's. It shouldn't, but it is. It's a. It's it's well, a pile. You know and you do the old farts to get down there and do the job. Otherwise, keep their mouths shut. I mean, that's they don't. That's their job. Yeah. Their job is to be gunning for your job. <laughs> well, then come down here and do it. Otherwise, I don't want to hear about it. Um, let's move along. We got to finish this thing uh, before okay. uh, it gets too late. Um, they're making a one scene tr- transition. Um, Koji Chikamoto, the Hanshin Tigers uh, outfielder, who I don't know if you remember this, but you and I discussed or debated in 2019 who should be the rookie of the year. I kept saying Chikamoto was the better all around player and had a better all around rookie season. You kept talking about some guy named Munakami with the Swallows. Just what happened to that guy? Run. But he was awful defensively. I mean, you put a glove on him. He was not an all-star, but he put a bat in his hands. He was a, you know, he was an all-star among the gods. So um, they're both right now in the midst of having career years, uh, just in the same ways that they were in those rookie seasons, mm-hmm. except for the fact that Murakami is a better defensive player now, and he's a better all-around hitter. He's, you know, we were going to talk about him. Originally, the plan on Tuesday when I sent a message to you about what we we're going to talk about on the show it was uh, him winning the Triple Crown, but uh, and that's still a thing. That's something we're going to have to discuss later, but right now, it's just mainly about Chikamoto and mm. how he has hit in 29 consecutive games as of today. On Sunday, he got a hit in 
uh, Nagoya. This is the second longest hitting streak in club history. One shy of Matt Merton's record and just four off of the all-time record of 33 by Hiroshima kart player Yoshihiko Takahashi, who did it in 1979 between the months of, get this folks, June and July. So exactly the same kind of time period or time of the season that we are experiencing right now. So uh, Chikamoto, I, I thought I never thought he was going to be a better player. I always said he was going to probably have a lesser career than Murakami with that. He had, if you looked at all the things that he did, he was catching the ball, he was hitting the ball, he was stealing bases, he was hitting the cutoff men, doing little things that probably don't get recorded and uh, getting the extra base because he had speed and he wasn't killing you on defense, uh, that he had the better all-around season as a rookie. But look, at the, I don't – obviously, Murakami is a star. He's hitting towards superstardom. He's going to – has the major league clubs drooling and uh, hoping that he gets posted soon and blah, blah, blah. And Chikamoto is not on that level. But he is and he wasn't, very good. He wasn't on that level when they were rookies, so there. I didn't say he was. I just said he had a better season. I'm, not, I'm telling you he didn't. He was on that level. You did, you, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, he had a better season if you say defense, fielding and offense and base running are all equal, of equal value. If that's your – so if, you, if your opinion is – if you're a good, if you're a fast base runner, that's as good as being a really good hitter. And you know, I'm not taking one aspect of a player right. and saying that that's better than another aspect. What I what I'm telling you is that if you listen, is that if you put all of the things, he's not one dimensional. He could do Agreed. many things Agreed. in many ways, and that was more valuable than a guy who just hit basically. He didn't only hit home runs, but he was just a hitter. He, he once he got on base, you couldn't move him over. He, he couldn't run with in, with the glove. He was hurting your team. He was one of the reasons your team played so poorly in the in the uh, on the other side of the ball. That's what I argue. Okay, my argument. Argue my argument. One of Chikamoto's game and compared it to get to one aspect of Murakami's game that this is more valuable. My ar- I'm talking about the overall everything. My argument is that what Murakami did was better than all the sums of all the parts that Chikamoto gave you. Well, I disagree. I just okay. think that I, it's okay. better being a player. I, 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 I do appreciate the home runs. I did appreciate everything else. But if I'm gritting my teeth and watching the rest of your game, but when you have a bat and you hit a home run, I'm smiling. I think more often than not, I'm not smiling. And uh, because you don't bat that much, you bat four times a game, but you have an opportunity to throw the game away defensively a lot more times than four in a game. And and they couldn't put him anywhere. They couldn't put him at first. They couldn't put him at third. He couldn't play the outfield. He was a mess. But, you know, if you want to just look at home runs, that's that's fine. No, I, I mean, when, when, when you're the saying they're not valuable. Yeah, well, when you're the. When you're the league's 20th best offensive player compared to the league's second best offensive player, so you're, you're taking one. Uh, yeah. You're taking only offense. Yes, uh, John, 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 there, John, more John, John, John. Listen, John. Listen, Jim, Jim, Jim. Listen. <laughs> there are more things than just yes. just hitting. Yes, but 75 or 75 to 80 percent of any player's value is going to be from his offense, and I, and when you're so much better. I'm saying that the sum of his offense was good enough that you know he could be a he could be a, a mediocre first baseman and no sweat. I, I just don't. I mean, you, 
there's just so much more than what you can measure on the offense. When you take an extra base, does oh, that wait. always get measured? Chikamoto was a much nicer guy. Let's put that in. Let's no, I didn't say anything about him being nice. <laughs> I said he, when he takes an when he advances to the next base, that's a good play. When he throws to the to the right base uh, instead of letting a battered uh, runner take an extra base, that's a good play. Hmm. That's a positive play for you. All those things count. You just don't. All see those them. things you, you do don't. count. All those things do count. But I'm just and, saying. And with, and, I'm just saying that when you look at a whole at a whole game, and you look at how much value, basically, I mean, you if you really look at it, the amount of value that's created by offense is like forty five percent, forty two percent of the game. And the remain- but you say really look at it, yeah. but are you really yes. able to look at everything? No, you're able to look at everything. Best giving it, a, let's let's put it this way: giving it a really good, educated guess, and then pitching and defense is the remaining, you know, fifty-eight percent or so. And of that, fifty-eight percent depends on the team. It's going to the defense is going to be about twenty percent. But you know, it's- well, what about this? What about what about backing up on plays? Do you measure that? No, I don't measure backing up on plays because well, that's important, though, right? Sure, it that's, is. That's part. sure it is. And what about what about throwing the ball to the right base and not letting a guy sure advance? Do, do you measure that? No, I don't. But sure, it is important. Of course, it's important. And and hitting the cut up cut off man and getting bunts down. Do you measure all that? Because stuff you when, because when a guy but 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 obviously you have measured it. I'm not saying I I'm not measure I'm just saying he's capable of doing all those things right. and you can't just say you can't just look at his offensive numbers and say oh well but you, there's a limit is- no but there's a limit to how much value you can give for somebody's defense when you look at a game of baseball that's what I'm saying there's there's only 100% in there I'm not talking about defense what I I gave you ex- examples of taking extra okay. bases and Okay. I mean, yes, of course, it's base running. Bases. Yes. And getting fronts down and not here, – here's another thing that doesn't get measured. What about when you there's a line drive on the infield and you don't get doubled off like a lot of guys do? Or you you advance uh, on a bad rundown play. You advance to the next there's base. Lots that, of this, there's lots of – There's so John, many things that there's lots capable of doing that don't get recorded. Okay. There are lots of little things that people don't really know how to count. And I'll, I'll I'll agree with that, but I'm saying that there's only so much value in a game. It's only a hundred percent. But he <laughs> can do them all every right. night and did do a lot of them, but we just don't have the we don't have the data for it. Okay. Whereas whereas there are guys who are slow who you know are not gonna take extra bases, who there you say you don't want to give a lot of number. Uh, we got to go, but we, you say you don't want to give a lot of value to the defense, or it's not as valuable. It is when you're making mistakes like at the rate that Murakami was when he was a rookie. He just was not a good defensive player in any stretch of the imagination. So, therefore, you're going to throw the rest of the stuff under the bus and say, "Well, I'm not throwing the rest of the <laughs> yes, stuff." You are. You're, you're inflating. You're you're assuming. A value of things again. Here's the the flip side: is that you're saying all this stuff is valuable because I think it's valuable, and I know it's valuable, and I'm going to say it's more valuable because in my eyes he's a complete player. I understand that part. I understand where you're coming from, but I'm saying there's only so much value, and the big thing, the most important thing in baseball, the the most important single skill in baseball is being able to hit the baseball. I'm not. I, there's no. There's, there's what? There's no defensive. 
There's no defensive player. No, not even. There's no defensive player who's as valuable as the whose defense is as valuable as his offense. Is val- no, no defensive regular player whose defense is as valuable as his offense. You know, you keep saying defense, and I'm saying I'm talking about every I aspect. know, I know. Okay, I'm talking about – okay, And I'm just saying there's more to the offensive there's part. There's a little more. Yeah, there's a little more. I mean, but we're talking a few runs. We're talking a few runs. The difference between a guy who goes from first to third 20% more often, a guy who goes from second to home a little more often. We're talking about a few runs a year. We're not talking about 20, 30 runs. This, you know, these are things that are, are these things happen and they're small incremental things. They're important. You know, missing it, you know, making a bad throw, not making, not catching a foul pop. I thought was kind of his famous thing in his first year. Uh, now, these That's things, right. yeah, I mean, he too. did. He missed, he missed like he missed like five of them that I saw. Yeah, and so you know those we are, gotta go. but those are small <laughs> things. Those aren't those aren't even runs. You know that's the thing. In and, most cases, no, no, but, but I mean, no, but no. I'm saying that they don't add up to a run. If you if you if you miss a foul pop and the guy singles, that's not worth one run. Well, I'm, he might have been with two outs and no, a guy I'm saying, on Yeah, I'm talking about in general. In that general that, that, yeah. yeah, so I mean, you're 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 taking you're taking things and saying, oh, well, these things matter because, and you're not counting. And I'm saying, well, you're not counting them either. You don't know how big they are. And I'm going to say that, and basically, I'm saying that the the single the biggest single thing is what he contributed on offense, and it was so much better than his that it would be hard pressed for all that other stuff. To, to come close to it. That's my argument. And I see your, I see your argument, but I'm not buying it. Okay. All right. We got to go. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Wait, let's, we, let's go back to this one every two years. <laughs> uh, I did want to mention uh, every two years yeah, that uh, Chikamoto is going up against the Hiroshima Carp in a three game set that starts on Tuesday. And then they're going to take on the champs at Jingu. Uh, so we'll see if you can push that, uh, hitting streak and break the record. Good luck to him. We have questions on deck, but we want more, especially MP3. So anyone who has one, send it to yakyujohn at gmail.com. Hit us up on the Facebook page. Leave us a comment there. Uh, also on Twitter, at JBW Podcast with the hashtag High Heat. Send us questions, comments, and throw your two cents in about the Chikamoto multidimensional versus one guy who's... at the the time was one-dimensional blah 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 blah. we will talk to you next week enjoy your baseball see you at the ballparks follow the hosts on twitter at jdw podcast and at jball allen submit your questions with hashtag high heat and listen for an answer in an upcoming episode